0: Hi, I'm Cece, and welcome to the Berry Diaries Podcast, where we share our most intimate insecurities, bariatric stories, and battle with obesity. So grab a cup of inspiration with me as we figure out life, post-op, together. We are so excited to announce that ProCare Health is sponsoring the Berry Diaries Podcast, ProCare Health wants to tackle some of the stigmas of bariatric surgery. For example, one of the toughest parts of being a bariatric patient is making sure we are getting in all those vitamins and checking in with our doctor to see if we actually achieve proper absorption. ProCare Health is specially formulated for bariatric patients and know what our bodies need. Not only do they take out the guesswork and make it easy for us to achieve our vitamin goals, but they also give us vitamins that taste like dessert. Win-win. And they're easily digestible. Did I mention dark chocolate squares and cinnamon rolls? Give them a try. Use code BERRYPOD to save at ProCareNow.com
1: so excited to welcome you to the Berry Diaries podcast event. My name is Whitney Adams, or you may know me as Adam Perfect Progress. Um, and this is my friend Nikki. I'm Nikki Stryjak, and you know me as Modern Mom BSG. We are so excited you guys are here and we're excited to be able to celebrate this night with you guys together in this room. I know a lot of you that we met coming in the doors. It's the first event you've ever been to and we're so excited to meet you. We also wanted to welcome you and thank our sponsors tonight. We have quite a few amazing sponsors. So, Termino, protein infused water, celebrate vitamins, devotion, nutrition. Chalk Zero, Bariatric Fusion, dive Bar Nutrition, American Dream Nut Butter, Real Good Foods. And our premier sponsor is ProCare Health Bariatric Vitamins and Supplements. And thank you so much, ProCare, for sponsoring this event. We wanted to invite Madison Hain up to say a few words.
2: Mom Madison! Hi, everyone. Well, as she said, my name is Madison and I'm with ProCare Health Bariatric Multivitamin Company and um, a little bit about us. So all of our products follow the ASMBS guidelines and are third party tested for efficiency. And we also um, feel free to stop by my booth over there. So we have 15% off coupon for all of you guys tonight and um, other stuff around the tables. So those are our calcium chews around there. And I'm looking forward to meeting all of you guys. Thank you. I'm so excited. Thank you for your help. And if you would
1: like to also support Barry Diaries podcast, go to patreon.com, Barry Diaries, and visit their website for more information at BarryDiaries.com. Yes. All right. Are you, Are you ready for the live event? Are you ready Are you guys excited? Well, I feel completely excited and honored because I'd like to welcome to the States some of my really great friends. So Jason Smith and Natalie Tierney. also going to invite up our inspirational story tonight miss april williams one of the co-founders of fairy nation Woo! and now the host of very diaries Cece.
0: Hello everybody, welcome. I'm so excited to have everybody here. Oh Can you play us a song? Oh, yeah. I want everybody to get up. There's a vibe. I mean, yeah. This is a party, my friends. This is a
1: party. This we is a party. party. So many of us have met each other
3: in person. This is when we are living our best lives, my friends. Jason. Jason, go on. Yeah. Probably gonna be you and you and Nat. That's right. Well, we get to start up every episode
0: with stats. It's what drives us as pre-ops and young post-ops is those numbers. And I think everybody wants to hear that because it's so inspirational. Totally. And it was for me.
3: Totally. So I started my journey at 326 pounds. Uh, I have been obese, as you guys will see, for a, like my entire life. And I was very ashamed by that weight. But the crazy thing is, is that I accomplished my greatest feats to date. Well, I mean, like not today, but yeah, I mean, I did a lot of really amazing things at my high weight. So Mm -hmm. my weight didn't define me, but my weight, I think, limited me in some ways. And I'm very excited to have my full capacity finally available to do the things that I want to do in life. That's right.
0: That's good. Yeah, that's good. So your surgery weight was what?
3: 326.
0: And your current weight.
3: Ooh, that's a tricky one because my scale. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm gonna go. So the last time I stepped on my scale was 208. Sometimes I see 218. Sometimes I see 205. But 208, that's like that's the happy weight.
0: Oh man, I see. Can we get a round of applause?
3: (laughs) Yeah. And I would just I would love to preface this because I I feel passionate about this. If you are worried and you're a female that you will always be plus size, it doesn't matter. It mm-hmm. does not matter. Yeah, right? Because it's not the size of our pants or our tops, it is our metabolic wellness, it's how we feel, it's how we present to the world, it's how we how we show up. And that number on the scale or that number on my pants does not define My success. That's right. So when I go to my check-ins, when I meet with my doctors, we talk about this often on our platform and on our podcast. It's not about the size, it's about metabolic wellness. So when I go in, am I metabolically well? And if I'm metabolically well at
4: 208, I'm good. (laughs) I'm good. Well, it also doesn't matter what store you're shopping in does not matter, but like, yeah. you can look at it any way you want to, just because you may be still going to a big and tall plus size, whatever it may be, that doesn't, that, I mean, it's the same as the scale, it's the same as everything else, none of that, it, it doesn't define who you are, just as your size didn't define who you are, just, I mean, it's never going mm-hmm. to, just because your scale may be a habitual line stepper, like most of ours is, and likes to tell us lies. <laughs> habitual. She's habitual a line Moody,
0: stepper. yeah.
4: You you can't make up 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 for mine. I broke up with my scale. I don't even know where my scale is right now. Mm -hmm. It's in timeout. That's what I do know. And it just may not get to (laughs) go. Well, let's
0: start from your younger years. Tell us all about April from when you were a little girl. And we want to hear it all, don't we? I do.
3: So, Cece and Natalie and Jason know. uh, I don't. Tend to share my story often because I just feel like my story is a part of the collective, and it doesn't need to be individualized. Uh, but I'm thankful for the opportunity to share it. So this will probably be the first time that many people, maybe including my husband, who's here tonight, uh, will hear some of this. I know. <laughs> <laughs> <We love it. laughs> so the picture that you're looking at here this is my dad his name is doug and that's me sitting at his feet and my dad is an avid fisherman and uh my family has owned a piece of property on a lake here in washington for a very long time so i don't know if you guys have parents that were like born to be parents yeah my parents were born to be parents like that's the only thing that they like Absolutely know how to do. Uh, So when I was born, I was supposed to be named Rachel. And I popped out and my dad was in these scrubs that he busted in the back because he was too big to fit in them. And I popped out and he goes, Oh, my God, she looks like me. My mom was like, "Uh, and, uh, and she looks like an April. So I was named April. And because I was born in April, uh, but from that moment, I was very close with my parents and they have just been very uh, like involved on a mm-hmm. cellular level, <laughs> that makes sense. But yeah, uh, so this was, at, it's like my happy place. Uh, it's, it's, yeah, it's a place where I really got to be myself. I didn't have to worry about what I was wearing or what I was doing or what I was saying. This was the place that I could just be myself be
1: oh, free,
3: yeah. And there was a, a lot of opera. Well, there was a lot of moments in my life where I didn't feel like who I was was accepted, mm-hmm. even though my family was very accepting. Um, it was, I'm just very different, and we'll kind of go through that, okay. yeah. So, oh my gosh, oh, <laughs> look at those bangs, <laughs> bangs, Thanks yeah. for days. Uh, so this is uh, myself and my sister. My sister's name is Maria. And if you guys see my sister, she's like picking at her hands. This is like what she did like forever. Uh, but I grew up very close with Maria. I kind of felt like her protector, even though I wasn't like Maria needs no protection. If you guys know Maria, mm, she don't need nothing. No, <laughs> she don't need nothing. But I, I felt like I needed to just take her under my wing but what I very much knew from a very early age is that you guys can see my face is rounder. I was just a bit of a bigger human. Mm -hmm. And so I knew from a very young age Mm -hmm. that I was structured differently. No, I got it. Yeah. Right. And it was like, huh, okay. Like nobody called me out on it. Nobody said anything about Mm -hmm. it, but it was like, okay, I'm different than this person who should be just like me. Uh, But it didn't really make a difference, but I think we all know like there's just something in the back of your head that's like oh I'm different
2: yeah
3: right like one word one sentence when like "Eh," something is not the same Uh, so this is really when I kind of started to understand something
2: is different did you have a moment uh that you could remember um where maybe you had that that thought oh it's like you read my mind (laughs) like we work together. It's like we work together.
3: It's like we're friends. Weird. Yeah, there was a moment. So (laughs) relatable, relatable. (laughs) This was at some party. If you guys know me, my family is into parties. This is what we do. We party, 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 party. We built a house to party. Uh, So this was some event. And I remember at this very young age, I was always hungry. Mm. And I would go back for more food. And my parents and my grandparents would ask me, like, oh, are you still hungry? That's weird. Is it? But, like, I'm hungry. Like, something is not, I'm not full, I'm not, right? So at that moment, I realized, like, oh, okay, something is different. Um, And at a very young age, I just knew that. And it wasn't, like I said, a bad thing or a good thing. It was just something is
4: not right. Well, it also comes from you, them not calling attention to it in a negative way. It was more of a, no. oh, you're still hungry instead of why are you still eating? like there's yeah. lots of different ways that could have been brought to your attention, yeah, but it was brought to you in such a way because, as you said, your parents were very nurturing in that way, so you didn't have to deal with it on that level,
3: no, yeah, and they were very, it was never a negative thing, it was just like, oh, that's interesting or that's different, you are still hungry, why is that? And as a child, you don't understand. Why that's different or why that's you know not the same as everybody else so it was just that moment of like oh something's something's different yeah Yeah. I think the next picture is one of my favorites yes (laughs) so this is my uh preschool picture and I am in the front row in this superman pajama outfit that is me And right next to me is one of my best friends to this day. Her name is Julie. Uh, but I never was a girly girl. Never. Uh, I played with He-Man, with Superman. I mean, like, we would be gifted Barbies, and we would rip their heads off and drown them in our Barbie pool. <laughs> that, was, that was what we did.
4: She slept with Skeletor under. I did. <laughs> uh, okay. That was covered. Oh, you got the picture on that? I think so. This one, yeah. Damn. <laughs> covered in a He-Man blanket. I mean, a Superman blanket, yeah. Yes.
0: Oh my gosh. Yeah. So adorable.
4: But she was good enough to separate, you know, the (laughs) the He Man and uh, Skeletor. Yes.
3: And and I would like to draw attention to they're equally tucked in, right? So they all have their blanket with the Superman, yeah, cape. So, but yeah, I mean, this was, you know, this was a picture that my parents took because they thought it was adorable and it was me. Uh, But this definitely highlights like what little girl sleeps with He Man, Skeletor, and Clark Kent in their bed it was me and it was very odd
4: the one who can rock those bangs even in her sleep Yes, that's that's who sleeps with that
3: yeah so that that was me and you know kudos to my parents who never made me feel bad or awkward for liking something that wasn't maybe you know assigned to my gender Mm -hmm. you know they definitely like oh that's interesting that you want to watch the a-team and not (laughs) <laughs> my little ponies or right. Like this is, these are, you know, these are the pajamas that I want. These are the, these are the heroes that I look up to. These are the, oops, sorry. I'm going way too forward. <laughs> right. But like, that was me. It was, you know, like just everything felt weird and every girly thing felt weird. And, um, you know, I just, I always felt like I was different than everybody else. And I made some very close friendships, but at the same time, you just knew like, "Mm, something is, there was a difference. There was a difference between them and you. Yeah. And even between my sister and I, we were very close, but yet my sister loved dolls and, you know, those things. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to watch the A team and, you know, play with my he-man sword so 18
4: rocks That's
3: i mean yeah i mean they shot like ten thousand rounds and never killed a single
4: person so yeah. worst worst name in history <laughs> worst to be as military as they were the worst name in history, worst name in history. Day, the coolest van and the coolest haircut they did the coolest van so
3: the most hilarious story my mother was mortified but at the same time was like this is just who my daughter is we were at the grocery store and a, an african-american man walked up the aisle and he was wearing chains And I ran up to him and I hugged him. And I said, Mr. T, Mr. T. I was so excited because I thought he was Mr. T because I absolutely loved him and that show. And I was just an amber with it. my mother, my poor mother was just mortified. But yeah, so yeah, Mm -hmm. yep. So that was was me in preschool, just adorbs. Uh, This is me on my 10th birthday at the top of the Space Needle. You can tell I was not thrilled.
4: Very unimpressed to be too.
3: Very unimpressed. My mother made me wear a dress I did not like. And, uh, yeah, cardigan, the whole thing. Uh, the only way that they made up for it is that they allowed me to wear, oh, I forgot. So there's sunglasses. There's me in, like, some pretty awesome, like, remember the BOSS? Yeah, like, those big, huge Oakleys, like, the whole thing. Yeah, I got those for my birthday, and I was very, very excited. Very excited. Looking like you got some ski goggles on. Pretty much. Yeah, that was, that was what it was. So, yeah, but I mean, I was always rounder. I was always bigger. I was always Mm. different. Uh, So this was, again, probably, I think this was my 13th birthday. Mm -hmm. So you can see my sister on the very end in the purple and pink striped shirt. I'm very, like I said, I'm very close with my sister and I never wanted to not include her. So she was always a part of whatever we did. Uh, the girl next to her with like a, oh my gosh, face is Julie. <laughs> uh, Julie was a friend I met in preschool. Julie actually taught me how to walk. Then of course of me at the head of the table, a friend from school, her name was Christy. And then at the very end, uh, Callie, one of my lifelong friends. Um, but this was a, you know, a, kind of a traditional birthday celebration. I didn't have a lot of friends. I didn't feel comfortable with a lot of people. Uh, and when I found my people, I just tended to kind of, keep them because I didn't want to answer any questions about anything. I just wanted to be safe. So these were, these are my people. And as you can tell, the eighties were strong. We had a strong connection with the eighties and early nineties, but yeah. But I also remember the celebration. It was like,
0: do you have any traumatic experiences or experiences that was the catalyst for the No, at this time,
3: at this time, no. So I grew up uh, with a father who struggles with alcoholism Mm -hmm. and it was, it it was interesting because some things would happen and we would just chalk them up to like, oh, well, this is just like how our family reacts. Mm -hmm. And then there were some other events where there were just very odd things that would happen and very odd conversations that would happen. So at this stage of my life, it was just like, well, this is just how all families are. I didn't realize it was different until I was older. Mm-hmm. But the really interesting thing is that, you know, we we always kind of defaulted to Euro Williams. This is how we do it. This is just how life is. You need to present this way. You need to kind of act this way. And no matter what turmoil is going on behind the scenes, this is... How we present. This is yeah. what we do. So my sister and I got really good with that until we got to the point, thanks to therapy and, you know, just family and having conversations that you realize, oh, we can do things differently. Uh, but at this point in my life, no, I mean, my parents' business was becoming very successful. We just moved into this like giant house. We thought, I mean, it was, it was a big house. Mm-hmm. They were really kind of on the up and up, like things were looking up. And this was also the stage in life when I realized people wanted to be friends with me because of what I had Mm -hmm. and not because of who I was. So it was a it was a transition that really
4: took me a very long time to move through, I guess. Well, it also helps that you had such a core, a strong core group of friends already. So you knew who was there for the right reasons versus who was trying to come in for something different.
3: Yes. Yeah. I mean, in this picture, I mean, my sister is like my rock solid. I mean, there's nobody else. Marie is number one. And then Julie and Callie are, you know, like ride and dies. And what I've really um, understood as I moved through this bariatric journey is I've been very blessed with some very close friends. I didn't realize that most people don't have these types of connections. I have so many people that I can call 24-7 that are, you know, there for me. You know, they there's nothing that they would not do. And now that I'm kind of on the other side of bariatric surgery and getting to know more people, I'm so thankful for the connections that I had before. Because despite my size, despite my shape, I had a huge social circle that I could rely on um yeah and you know three of those people are in this picture and that was oh my god like 25 years ago you know like
2: you didn't have to date yourself
4: the banks did it for her (laughs) as did that sick polo that's ouch
3: (laughs) (laughs) the bangs the bangs it's always the the bangs. bangs yeah uh so this is a picture of Wow, I mean, it's kind of convoluted, but it's my cousin and her new husband, Marion and Martin. We were in Germany. This was 1995. And I remember this was the first time that I could not buy clothing at a traditional store.
0: Wait, which one's you? I, don't, I can't even tell. Which <laughs> I'm
3: right. on the very end. So I'm in like the pink top and the floor. Well, I guess Marie's the same thing too. Shocking. Um, yeah. So I'm on the far right with kind of the longer hair. Yeah. Yep. Next and to the groom. You, Thank you. Thank you, Jen. Yes. And yes. you couldn't find the clothes, you said? Nope. I couldn't. No. So this was purchased in, like, the women's section, mm-hmm. and I was 15. But y'all look the same. There was no difference. I don't know
0: why your perception of yourself was totally different. Yeah,
3: it was the sizing. Like, yeah. I, I, whatever my sister bought, I couldn't fit into. Mm-hmm. And it was a bit of, like, a panic moment, because it was like, oh, wow, we need to find clothes for this. You know, yeah. we're flying to Germany to go to this wedding, and oh, you can't, right? So it was a bit of like a eh, situation. Uh, but that was the, the first time that I realized I was larger mm-hmm. than, than most people. Uh, this was also the time that a fireman absconded with me in a closet and we made out in Germany. So, Ooh. hey, the, the good with the bad, bad. you got to The good with
2: the bad, right? Yeah, yes. Nice. Thank you, oh, Check all Check on that. <laughs> so yeah. April, I have a question. Do you remember how you felt that day when you were in the dressing room? And you couldn't find something that fit you. You
3: know, I don't remember that, but I do remember this, which is odd, right? I I think I was just so like over it. I hated shopping. There was no point to it. I don't care. Like, you know, I wear Umbra and Adidas shorts to school. So why do I need to buy a dress? But I do remember this moment. And being in Germany, it's a very different culture. You know, everything is different. But at the same time, we were also exotic. Like, I have dark hair. Everybody there had blonde hair. Mm -hmm. I was the foreigner. I had come from the United States. Everybody was like, oh, my God. You know, like, so it was kind of a moment. And then at the same time, you're like, oh, but I also can't fit into regular clothes but then this guy wants to make out with me in the closet so
4: i'm like confused. it landed you a firefighter so i mean how bad could it have been right i mean it really wasn't yeah i mean it
3: was like a catch-22 moment
4: yeah but i mean at 50 the, the hard part about that is at 15 years old that's a very impressionable age, mm-hmm, impressionable yeah. age that you want to start dressing like i mean you need to dress like your friends you need to fit in yeah. you need to feel accepted you need to have you know yeah. that definitely wasn't happening in the women's section of any department yeah. store because no. then you came out dressed more like your mom than you did your friends bingo i mean it's
3: like, a- like it's like a suit basically I, mean, I was like, that's, oh, that's the Hillary
4: Clinton
3: parachute. you You running for office. I was. Yes, yes, yes. I was <laughs> Hillary. For yeah. I Please vote yeah. for me. The primary is coming up soon. April 2024.
2: Yeah. April 2024. <laughs> <laughs> right? Out oh, of me for
3: saying that. Oh, Germany. Uh, so, this is a picture. We were at my great grandparents' home in West Seattle. This was the last time that I could fit into gap clothing. Right? Yeah. We've all been did they stop making different sizes or what was it? They at the time did not offer like plus size clothing. So I was in a size 16 jean, which is bullshit. That was not a 16, that was probably like a 12. Yeah. Uh, and the vest, remember the vests were in? Uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, they were awesome. Well, yeah. Yeah. Blossom. 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 Yes. Yeah. Blossom. Oh yeah. Blossom. Yep. Remember that. Yeah. Yep. I mean, I had the Doc Martens. It was like, it was going. Uh, but yeah, I realized. Yeah, I was styling. Yes. But this was the last time. And we had just gotten back from Germany. And I was like living the high life because I'd made out with the German fireman in a closet. Oh, yeah. But apparently, riding it's high, Hell, Pinnacle yeah. of life. Uh, yeah. And then I put these as clothes on. As good as you can get right there. Good? Yep. As good as I can get. Yeah. That's awesome. Yep. Yeah. So, and my aunt, who is an adorable human, right? Never never cared. But this was the moment that I was like, Oh, okay. Things are, things are not good.
0: So when did food become like this thing person in your life that was just, you couldn't
3: couldn't stop at this point. So at this point I was diagnosed with some like digestional tract issues. I was having a lot of issues, medical issues. And I went to a naturopath. It was wonderful. He was excellent. And he put me on a very restrictive diet. Mm -hmm. So I started this candida diet. And I also started swimming at the high school level. So I dropped a bunch of weight. Things were great. But as you can see, this is my closest friend in high school. Her name was Nicole and her boyfriend, Kevin. Mm -hmm. And that was me with Thomas. And Nicole was a tiny human. But I remember thinking at the time, that was the only dress that I could buy off the rack at Macy's because none of the rest of them fit and I remember having to like try to find a different bra having to try to find different undergarments like everything was not in the teen section or the I don't even know what it was called at the time but it was a um yeah it was like oh okay well I guess I get
2: to go to a dance but
3: mm, this is challenging
2: you kind of get into a panicked state yes I don't know if that's how you felt, but yes. that's how I
3: felt. Yes. Well, in the backstory to this picture is I was dating a gentleman at this By the way, he's pretty cute. Oh yeah, he was adorable. If I had to pick, I'd pick him and not the other one. Oh yeah, no. Was- yeah. <laughs> sorry, <was> Grady. The-
4: <laughs> You're not the other one she was referring to. Just- oh yeah.
3: Sorry. 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 Right. About- oh yeah. There you go. <laughs> Thomas was adorable, but at the time I was dating a man he who shall not be named. Uh, and it was awful. It was a very. It was not great. Promise you, it, it was not great. Yeah.
4: This was uh, the stand-in. This was his last minute substitute, but he stepped yeah. up the chair. And <laughs> it he, was. he took it on the chin. I know. I'm it,
3: aware. Right. So my boyfriend at the time had been arrested and was in jail. And if you know my parents, this was like, oh my god. He still went to prom. He just went to a different kind <laughs> He was still a date. He, awesome. he had that last dance in jail yeah Uh, so his friend Thomas stepped in and became the man of the hour and took me to homecoming and I had a fabulous time and I was pretty
0: sweet yeah
3: I mean I was close to Thomas we were good friends but
1: yeah
3: I just remember thinking like oh this cannot be good this is just not like nothing about this evening Mm. is what I had envisioned and yeah you know, so when you look at those pictures, you know, like I look at this picture now and it's like, oh my God, if I could have those arms, if I could like look like that, that would be
4: amazing. Yeah. But what well, if you look at your hand, that's the biggest telling part of the whole thing. Yeah.
3: Why are you holding your stomach? Yeah. Because I thought I was fat. Mm. Yeah. Because I thought I had to hide. And the fact that that's a sleeveless dress, but it's only because I was swimming like eight hours a day at the varsity level that I felt that I could do that. So
0: it's yeah. amazing that you were so beautiful and yet you felt so unworthy. And I think we all feel that way. Yeah, right. We all look we all have those measures. moments we, for sure. We all have the we all got a picture we can we can find. And yes, this is the moment. Yep, yeah.
3: yep. But you know, when I look at this picture and I think about the turmoil that I was experiencing in my teenage life, you know, to just be like, okay, whatever, Pete, you're in jail. Oh, damn it, He's just so now you know. Yeah, okay.
4: Eye candy's coming back. Oh, God. Oh. You're going to see the Porsche on the way home? I hate you. I hate you.
3: <laughs> I really hate you at this point. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, but when you're a teenager, you think like that's the world. It took
0: 100 episodes, but she's done at this point. You
3: know,
4: I mean, yeah. she's had it in there boiling for a while. It's only, it finally makes <laughs> it way to the
3: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was it was traumatic. It was, I mean, it's not like, you know, a lot of people experience very different trauma. Mm -hmm. This was trauma thinking that I'm never good enough, thinking I'm never going to find somebody who would want to date, let alone like start a life with and marry. And then, right. That happens with him and somebody else has to step in because, you know, it's like, oh my God, this is just not good. Not good. So yeah. That was a pretty dress. I like it. Yeah. I liked it too. It was good. I was good. Was yeah. color. Yeah. Uh, this is my sister and I in Hawaii, and I think it was like 2001. And you can definitely see my face is getting rounder. So I had started college. I was not at home. I didn't have anybody kind of like managing what I was eating. It was late night, a lot of drinking, around new friends, being you know just everything was new, and I just kind of went off the rails. Yeah. Definitely. With
0: Do you have anybody like like verbally? you know, just abusive to you that uh, kind of progressed and progressed and progressed. They kind of, so with
3: it. yeah, in college, I was still dating the same person and <laughs> yeah. Uh, and he would give me a bad time because I was gaining weight. So his reason for being unfaithful in our relationship was that I was gaining weight and he didn't find me attractive. So he had to Yes, go outside of our relationship. And I put up with that for two years or more, yeah. a very long time, because, you know, in those types of relationships, they tell you, well, you can't do any better. You look this way. Nobody's going to be attracted to you. You know, you have no value beyond what you look like. Yeah. And when you're just living that relationship every single day, at roller coaster of, yeah. I'm
0: unworthy, I eat, yes. I'm unworthy, I eat, I'm unworthy, I eat. Yes,
3: yeah. yep. Yeah. And it just, it just got to me and it's crazy when I think about it because I'm a pretty strong person. I, I know what I'm worth and, you know, I've grown from that, but in this moment there's no other, You're defeated. yep. Yeah. There's no other, this is the only option. This is how you will get through life.
2: Yeah. yeah. Screw Peter. Yeah.
4: yeah. Yeah. Screw Peter. Not in a good way. Yeah. Eat it
3: okay not the fun <laughs> kind not the fun kind okay no. oh, yep so this was me uh probably at 21 or 22 you can tell I'm gaining a lot of weight right not a genuine smile not a genuine smile I'm just I Yeah, I'm just getting through, right? I'm getting through. Uh, And the really interesting thing about my journey and the thing that I I think I'm most excited or proud about is that despite what was happening on the outside, I was committed to being the best person that I could on the inside. And we talk about this often, right? Like, okay, if I'm the fat person, I'm also going to be the funny, the smart, the dedicated. And when I got to college, it was Really easy for me. I didn't have to do a lot of stuff. I mean, I skipped the final and passed a class. I don't know how that happens, but I did it. Totally did it. And you just think, well, I have to be better than my size or my shape. So I worked very hard. I accomplished a lot. uh, And I just kept moving through life thinking that I had to be better than everybody else. And I worked harder and I accomplished more and I did all the things. But in the end, you know, I mean, Good things happen, but at the same time, you're just not happy.
2: You feel like you have to so
3: overcompensate. overcompensate.
0: Oh. oh my gosh, yeah. Um, right? Oh,
2: totally. Same
0: wavelength. Yeah, yes. I think like. Yes,
3: yes, right. Tiffany, you were out on that one. You missed yeah. it. I mean, you did things so just, close, <laughs> so close.
4: <laughs>
3: so, this picture of my dad and I uh, and my sister at. Probably my sister's birthday. She was born in December. But you can see I'm I've gained a lot of weight. Mm-hmm. So now I'm shopping at Lane Bryant or like Old Navy. Remember when the old navy got into the plus size and it was like, Oh my god, like finally. Yeah. yeah, it was a huge deal, huge deal. Yep. So yep, this is Christmas time. But again, you can tell I'm not super thrilled. I'm not super happy, but it's life. I just have to keep but it's
0: so crazy how we all have those pictures that, that started everything. But now that we look back at them and you say, this was the age that I hated myself, yeah. like at, that, it, that started whatever was food addiction, you know, before whatever happened. Yeah. But now that you look at it, you're like, damn, I looked really good in that picture. What the hell was wrong with me? Right. Like, that's how I feel. Like, you know, we all have
2: those pictures. Yeah, I think it's also interesting as I'm watching all of these pictures fly by, I can see you in there, mm-hmm. but then you also look so foreign because you're masking. Mm-hmm. It's like, I can see April's in there,
4: yeah, but I don't recognize her. Oh yeah, the growth between what you see now, what you see now before you and what you see in those pictures. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's it's amazing it's phenomenal the fact that you were able to take all of those things like you did not only turn them into the positives that you did come out a completely new person as a whole but also have enough left in your tank to help as many people as you felt yeah it's
3: you know and i think we all know that like that person is inside of us and that weight just keeps it down for whatever there, reason there yeah right like everybody's there it's just the weight just keeps so much down and when you start to lose it just your capacity increases your ability just everything it's just like the fog is lifted and i always felt that you know that wasn't me but i just didn't have the tool to go beyond that and i'm very proud of what i accomplished before bariatric surgery and i'm just as proud as what i have accomplished after but it's just a very different way of living life and i'm thankful that i get to live life now on this side of it instead of that because my life would have been just as wonderful I mean I met my husband at a very high weight I did so many things you know academic and professional and you know I started my own bit like all these things I did at a very high weight but I just wonder what it would have been like doing those things at the weight that I am now not because of how I look but because of the energy that I could have brought to those Mm -hmm. endeavors
2: It would have been different. But I think the thing that we have to remember, and I know that we talk about this a lot in the bariatric community, and we have to acknowledge and honor that person. Yeah. And we are proud of her, right? She did all those amazing things, and we're proud of you now. Yeah. And I think that's part of the journey of weight loss surgery is just being able to see the difference, but also be just as proud on either side. And if you would have done this before, it would not have been your time. That
3: I do agree with. Yeah. So the first person who actually ever brought up bariatric surgery to me was Grady. We were just like in a random conversation, laying on the couch. We were probably talking about like what next diet cleanse we were going to do. Like, who knows what, right? You know, like you're sitting around you're like, I'm not happy. And well, we need to do something together. And I remember he just looked at me and he was like, what about bariatric surgery? And I was like, oh, listen here, motherfucker. No. Way to go. Oh, you gonna get that word out your mouth? There right? you go, Peter 2.0. Yeah. <laughs> 2.0. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, but it was so kind. It was so genuine It was so soft. It was just very. And at this point, I don't know if we were married or not. Grady moved in on our second date, so I mean, like that kind of thing. We were married. We were, we're married. married. Yeah, yeah. We we're basically married from date number two. And you know, he was just like, "Hey, what about bariatric surgery?" As simple as that. And it was like, oh, but that was the first time that somebody had been like, well, maybe you need another tool. Not that there's anything wrong with you, but maybe you need something else to help you get to that point. Um, And it took a lot of conversations with a lot of people. It, It literally took somebody saying, oh, I've had bariatric surgery and we are the same. This is for you. This is not my 600 pound life. This is built for you. For you, yeah. But if we don't have these conversations, nobody, you don't know.
4: Nobody knows. Yeah. Nobody knows. And it's, it's so important to share your story. Because uh, well, to... you even argued with the person that had your friend that had it. I did. did oh, yeah. Because you told her that it wasn't for people y'all. I did. Because you guys were the same. And she was like, well, I mean, it must have been because I had it. Well, literally.
3: Yeah. I, I remember I messaged her on Instagram and I was like, girl, what are you doing? Cause I need to do this too. Like what's the diet? What's the cleanse? What's the whatever. And she was like, Oh, I had bariatric surgery. And I literally had to Google what bariatric surgery meant. I think so, we all did. did. Did we? I did. Right. Cause she does. Cause it's yeah. yeah. And I Googled it and I was like, I'm sorry. Isn't that for my 600 pound life? And she's like, Oh yeah. no, yeah. that's for us.
4: Yeah. Oh but the God. most important question is, is after that, did you apologize to Grady for being so mean to him? <laughs> <laughs> Never. No. <laughs> Grady
3: knows. There is no I'm sorry in our house that comes from this. No. No. I am always right.
4: I stand with you, Grady. It's <laughs> man. I got you. Don't worry about it. <laughs> You're dead to me.
2: <laughs> it was down to two. Uh,
3: down to two. So this is one of the last pictures I think uh, before I really kind of, well, yeah. So we were bulldozing our family cabins, and my dad wanted a picture in front of it. And I remember we took it, mm-hmm. and on the side by side, I was like, "Oh my gosh, I'm bigger than my dad." And my dad's not a big man; he's very average, right? Like you, as a vet, him, there's nothing, you know. He's just an average man. And after this picture, I was like, "Ooh, something is." Something is off. That was a men's North Face jacket, not a women's, because it couldn't fit into a women's
2: anymore. Those but were that's like,
0: just because you're tall. I think that's that's not your that's not a weight issue.
2: That's that's just your tall. I, yeah, I couldn't right? fit into a woman's women's two X at my highest. Yeah. yeah. Mm-mm. It's a it was a weight thing for me.
3: Yeah. Yep. And it's not
2: that it was like a bad thing,
3: but I just realized okay, something is yeah. very. Off, and after this picture, I started to experience health issues. I had sleep apnea. I was pre-diabetic. Right, all of these things kept coming up every time I went to the to my doctor. Mm -hmm. And I just thought, okay, like no matter what diet, no matter what fad, no matter whatever I tried, Mm -hmm. I'd lost weight, but then I gained it back, and it was just not working. I just felt like a hamster on a wheel. Yeah, Yeah. and I was I was over it. So yeah, that conversation with Veronica. Changed it all.
0: So you had bariatric
3: surgery. Yeah. Yep. In July, 2019, I had bariatric surgery. Yeah. And the rest is history. Well, then variation. <laughs> I was going to say, I didn't change. My life. Yeah. So after I had bariatric surgery, I um, realized that my binder was not adequate to get me through what I needed to get through. And COVID happened, the pandemic kind of happened and I just thought I need people who understand what I'm going through mm-hmm. and I had no support through my surgical center it, it just nothing was it's just going. not really
0: there I mean you know they have their meetings but
3: yeah okay. yep and I my professional background is in education and online education so I understood zoom and I had made some connections with some experts in the community. And I thought, what if I invited, like, a dietitian or a therapist on to Zoom to just interact with people, to just hang out? Yeah. So I started calling them virtual bariatric meetups. Very, like, no big deal. And this person kept trying to come into my Zoom, whose name was Jason. And I was like, oh, Russian troll. Russian oh, troll. Man. Jason is a Russian troll. Men do not have surgery. There's a lot of Russians named Jason. <laughs> Very In case he didn't know. Right? A lot. So I kept kicking poor Jason out of our zooms because I thought he was a Russian troll. Uh, but Jason continued to come back. So I let him into the Zoom. Yeah, I have two weeks post-op <laughs> I don't
4: know anything about anything. And I was given the same biter and was like, hey, kick rocks, take it easy. Your check cleared, so you're good. Um and so I'm not knowing anything about anything. And so I'm like, oh well, I guess this is very welcoming community that I'm trying to get into. It. <laughs> I'm like, I'm just trying to learn. <laughs>
3: <laughs> no, so, you're a Russian troll. You yes, cannot learn. I was yes, indeed. You cannot. So I finally let him in and I remember it's like I, the very first thing that I did when I let him in the room, and I was like, Jason, are you a bariatric patient? Like, yeah. I'm gonna call this guy out. Like,
4: Disqualifying. So Dis- bag yep, bag. Yeah, I'm like, no. Nope. Like, yeah, <laughs> tell me all about it. Yeah, I
3: did. Yeah. And he was like, no, I've had surgery. It was like two weeks ago. And I was like, okay, wait, the like bariatric surgery, like you had, like, and he's like, yes, I've had bariatric sur- Am I, is this okay? And I was like, oh my God. <laughs> oh my God, you're a patient. And this bro hung out after the zoom to like talk and give bits and you know, just share the experience, what we've all done. Yeah. And we connected. It was freakish. And
4: we just had these really deep conversations. Yeah, so met
0: like
3: that,
4: though. Yeah. Well, I had a lot of questions during the meetup. So we're talking, and I i feel, and I, you know, honestly, I felt like I dominated a lot of the conversation. So when at the end, she was like, hey, can you hang out a minute after? And I'm like, oh, I'm in trouble. I didn't know. I don't know what it yeah. is. <laughs> I'm going to call you out. I got called to the principal's office, and I was like, oh, this is cool. Now, not, now I don't get to come back. It took me forever to get in. Now I don't get to come back. And, uh, and it just turned out to be a very different conversation. So. It was, I
3: mean, we really connected pretty I mean, he's not a hard guy to like get to know. Let's be let's be fair. But yeah, we just connected instantly. And he kept coming to my meetups. And I was oh. like, Oh, cool. So like, he really wants support. Like we're in this together. Yeah. And after one of the VVMs, I had told him that I was a little bit frustrated with the podcasts and the communities that existed at the time because they well, were lacking or, the patient voice.
2: What podcasts were out back then that you remember? There were just like very few. There were just very few out there. Yeah. There it, were not a lot. It.
3: Well, and I remember they were, a lot of them were from like the um, provider perspective. They weren't from the patient perspective. Oh,
0: I've seen those. Yeah. Okay. Right,
3: And it was like, okay. I mean, it's wonderful that I'm learning about my journey from somebody that provides the surgery, but there wasn't a lot of patient voice. I was missing the patient voice. I Mm. wanted to know like, why am I craving this? Or why am I thinking this from my own perspective? And it just didn't exist. And Jason told me that he had experience in podcasting. And I was like, Oh, that's interesting. Like, Maybe we should think about doing one. So we teamed up. We picked a date to record our first podcast on Zoom.
4: I talked her into picking a date. We talked. We had five meetings uh, in two months, and we just talked and talked. With notes
0: and pages of, yes. I was like, hey, you know what? This could have been a whole
4: episode, and we didn't record it because we have just been talking. We've been having meetings. So we get done with that and i tell her i'll be like you know at at the end of the day we're just going to have to press record because that's how this works just press record put it out we don't even know if anybody's going to listen if they do awesome if they don't we'll try something else like they'll get you know the you know we'll we'll find another way to help the community that needed the assistance at the time so you know we we just decided to press well (laughs) (laughs) this We thought we pressed record on the first episode. episode. And there's one amazing episode that is just in the ether somewhere. It didn't land anywhere. It's gone. Just gone. Yeah, because I did not hit record. Nope. She got all done and she was like, okay, I think we wrapped it up. And then she looked at me and goes, shit. (laughs) I was like, what happened? She goes, Yeah, I didn't press record. (laughs) I was like, well, looks like we get to do it again.
3: (laughs) And, and the other thing that's hilarious is, if you guys know me, I'm very detail-orientated. I have notes, show notes for everything, right? Like, everything is to the minute. Yeah. This guy has never, to this day, read any show notes I have ever written. <laughs> ever. Ever. How
4: does, does he do
3: he... it?
0: What do you do it? You just wing it? You he wings wing
4: it. it. I show up roughly eight minutes before every podcast and I look who we're doing I mean I'll do i background on who we're doing to make sure that I know what we're doing. Yeah. So I know who we're talking like I know who we're talking to and all those yeah. things. But yeah when it when it comes time I wait about eight minutes before and I'll log yep. into the zoom and I get ready and I just go. Yep. Because honestly if I if I was to read the show notes and go through them and do that it would be like I was reading the teleprompter and I would be like, Hello, welcome to Barry nation. I'm so <laughs> glad that you're here today so we could talk about very and I just you know she had no idea how somebody's brain could work that way and so she was like no i put two hours into these notes you will read them you will and i and i told her i was like okay here's the thing give me three episodes let me do three episodes my way and if you don't like what we've got going on trash the episodes i was like you can redo them yourself i will help you from behind the scenes i don't have to be involved on camera you know anything i was like just let me try it my way so we did one and she was very skeptical." <laughs> But she didn't know how I did it, but she was like, okay, I'm going to give you one more shot. We'll see if you can do it again. I did it again. Then the third time, she was like, we'll keep going for now. She's like, but if I, if this gets out of hand? She's like, I'm going to cut you out. I was like, all right, I, I understand. Like, I get it. So, but it, yeah, but it, but it actually, yeah, it's, to, to this day, it's worked out amazingly. I've, I've read one set of show notes, and that was before we did Dr. Mm-hmm. Ortiz. I did a little background. Yep. Just, just a little I, I skimmed through. and I was still able to pull it off. But yeah, I just... it it just comes so organically to me to talk to people in that way that I don't, I mean, you know, I don't, I don't have to go through those types of things and just, I'm just lucky.
3: Well, And I think what makes our conversation so powerful is that they are just organic conversations. Mm -hmm. It is just the three of us, the two of us, right, talking about what we are experiencing in the moment or what we've reflected on. And I remember, right, like the 16th episode, we interviewed you. Yeah, on the 16th episode. Yes. We We came on. We interviewed Natalie. And I called Natalie the night or two nights before our episode with you.
2: It was the night before
3: we and talked for three hours
2: we talked for three hours yeah. and I thought oh my god we need to shut up like we're talking about everything that we're going to talk about tomorrow like we gotta go like yeah but it was that instant connection that we just I could just talk about my story with Thank April you. on the phone and didn't even think twice yeah. about it well at uh-
3: And and again, we always say this, but this is the power of telling our story. And even if we start telling our stories to ourselves, it's the, it's the first, it's where we need to start Yeah. because if we don't own our own story, we can't share it with the world. Yeah. And it
0: just flows. If you just like open it, I mean, look. I mean, you're just, you're going,
3: well, I have, so I have a recipe, right? I have found some type of success. And there's lots of different ingredients to my recipe. If I'm not sharing my story with the world, somebody might be missing that ingredient that I have that they need for their own recipe. And we all understand that it's very difficult to share this very intimate story because we are opening ourselves up to ridicule and shame and trolls and you fill in the blank, right? Like we know what is on the other side of sharing our story, but You know the other other side of that is that you get to help someone with that ingredient that they have been missing to live the life that they know they were destined to live.
2: Yeah, and that's how that's actually how we all three met. Jason was on stories on Instagram, and I had just listened, uh, or I was on stories talking about how I had just listened to one of the podcast episodes. I think it was with Wendy Rawlings. Uh, and I was eight weeks post-op mm. and I remember listening to this podcast and Jason said something that just hit me I mean if you listen to the podcast Jason drops truth bombs all the time because it's <laughs> Oh, yeah, Cus- probably sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> um, but he, he dropped one of those truth bombs and it really hit me and so I posted on my stories and I just said, you know, this really resonated with me. Mm-hmm. And then Jason messaged me from the previous or we are Barry Nation now we were East to West WLS. He messaged me and we had this amazing conversation about that exact topic and it was as simple as posting a podcast and then it was simple as me making that connection and having, starting that conversation. And that's why yeah. we do and what totally we do.
0: changed Berry Nation, I think. When,
2: once, I mean, it, yeah, yeah. I mean,
3: mm-hmm. she just took you to a whole nother level because the whole, well, yeah. I mean, it was like, you know, the missing piece. So it's yeah. like, you know, that you need something else in your recipe. And when you find that ingredient, it's like, oh, this is like chef's kiss. This is, yeah, this is what we need. And it was just the safe place to like talk about what we were She's going through. I am the one. one. <laughs> yes, she's the one. Tell everybody. <laughs>
4: she's the unicorn. <laughs> well, and she was actually one of the, the first people to reach out and leave such a detailed thought out like a serious yeah. connected like the podcast connected in such a way because you know, Bergen. yeah, Peter because Bergen. April and I have put out like you know, 15 episodes at that point, you don't really get a lot of feedback. So you don't really know where your hits and misses are. So yeah. you talk about it and you're like, well, I hope somebody hears it and I hope it helps somebody. You know, if we could help one person, we've all said that, you know, in our post-op, if we can just help one person. But, you know, that was the one connection that hit the hardest at that, you know, at the time to let us know that we really were doing something that, you know, something special that people needed. Yeah. So we took that from that point. And when we invited her in, everything from that point, like, you know, like Cece said, it, it really yes. did change it
0: changed
3: the the whole face. Butter just happened. Smooth. Something like that. I'm a foodie.
2: Can you tell? (laughs) Right.
3: (laughs) But, you know, it it just goes back to the power of if you can find a community, if you you can find that safe place to really be authentically yourself and just not be afraid to kind of share the parts of your story that maybe you're worried about. Mm -hmm. There's so much growth. Like, we've really started to say, like, the struggle is in the story or our story is in the struggle yeah it's that struggle it's that moment that we're really trying to get through it's that pause it's that like ooh, you know like pick whatever it is for us if we can get through that struggle that is where the story of our life lives and people want to hear stories we are built to hear stories and we're built to tell stories and we understand that it is terrifying to share a story so publicly but if we can get to the point where we own our own story we kind of like take control of our life right like that's the moment where it's like no this is mine this isn't anybody else's this isn't nobody can dictate this to me this is mine and no one can take it away from me and it's a very powerful place to live in
4: well, and as we've all seen on Instagram, too, it's it's very easy to say, you know, to, to be present and be on stories and be on things when things are going well. Everybody wants to be there when you're, you know, when everything's going great. It's it's the hardest times and the times that you are struggling the most and the things that you go through, That that's the courage is in that time to stand up and say, oh, hey, I'm struggling. I'm really having a hard time. It's not going well for me. I, you know, I need to reach out to, you know, the community because the community is where the treatment lies, reaching out to the other people. I mean, that's, that's legitimately what's going to. Jesus, you killed it. You can't, you
0: can't be serious when you're looking at that picture. I mean,
4: I'm a toddler. <laughs> <can't> Everybody <laughs> that has listened to five minutes of me knows I'm a giant toddler anyway. I just look like it in the picture. Now, it, all, it's, it all comes full circle. But it I, does, it uh, does. yeah, I mean, but honestly, it's, it's super easy to. To be present when you're having an easy time. But standing up and and actually telling people when you're having a hard time and making those connections lets other people know that it's okay to struggle and that there is help out there and that you know there is a better day with people to bring you along.
2: And every time you tell your story, it gets easier. Every single time you accept it more and more and more. Yeah. And all it takes is just one more person, just tell one more person one more time. Help one person, yeah. Yeah. I love that. So this is uh, Natalie, where are you at, Natalie? Um, I was at work. Uh, we did a lot of um, shows and tabling around, and I hated having my picture taken. This was around my highest weight. I was 403 pounds. And my boss would um, take photos for our company to show that, you know, we went to these events and I was always her subject and I hated it. (laughs) I hated every minute of it um, because it would actually show what I looked like, right? We've all taken the selfies. We've all been on Snapchat. We all have Facetune and all that stuff. And this was the real me and didn't really like my picture being taken. Um, But this was really me. Um, This was actually probably eight months before I decided to have bariatric surgery. So I was still probably creeping up to my highest weight. So when was your moment of, I'm done, I can't? Yeah, so um, my grandma in the first slide of of me, (laughs) uh, she had passed away in June of 2020. And uh, my cousin and I were looking through photos, making storyboards and just kind of reminiscing about her life. Um, And I realized, wow, she did a lot of really cool things. She went all over the place. And I couldn't do that where I was. I mean, if I traveled anywhere, I was sitting at the pool because that's what I could do. Um, and so I, you know, started kind of that train of thought of, okay, I need to start doing something. Um, and my mom had found, uh, my surgeon, Dr. Ariel Ortiz, uh, he's in Tijuana, Mexico, and she found his website and said, you don't have to do anything, but I found this surgeon and I think he could really help you. The table slide, the table slide. Just a little, like, here you go. (laughs) and back away because it was a point of contention for a long time um and so I I looked I went down the rabbit hole I looked into him and something just felt right I think we all kind of have that moment where it's like okay this is this is it like I should do this um so the next day I called my surgeon's office and I said okay this all sounds great but I gotta talk to him I need to this is I need to talk to him because those who don't know, I've had um, two other previous surgeries. Um, I had the lap band and then I also had a placation surgery, which is kind of like a pseudo pseudo sleeve is what I call it. Um, So I said, okay, this is the third time I need to talk to the surgeon because I don't know. I don't know if I trust you. Um, And he called me. The actual surgeon called me. And he let me word vomit my story to him
0: for 30 minutes. Word vomit,
2: I've never had that before. Oh, it was just out. Like, I, there was no rhyme or reason. It just came out. Um, and all he said was, we can take care of that. That's all I needed. I said, okay, let's put my $500 deposit down the next morning had a little, uh, food funeral. Um, and then the next day so I was it. on my pre-op diet. Yeah, you did it.
0: Did you, um, so you've lost, like, how much have you lost now? Lost
2: 145 pounds.
0: That's awesome. But now you got to get to 150, right? You know, you have to be an even. You,
2: you, right? We're pushing. I know. It's, <laughs> it's game time. <laughs> the struggle is real. Struggle is yeah. real.
4: What about you, Jason? I got- Let's see, I'm at 191 pounds loss, so the picture of me in the giant chair. 191
0: pounds. We'll see, I what I'm seeing. you got
4: to 200. We'll get I'm up about, there. Amen. I'm going to work to get there. I was at 468 pounds here uh, at my heaviest. As you can see, my legs looked horrible. My ankles were swollen. My whole body was, was just... I every day. Took ibuprofen to get out of bed, you know, all the joint pain in the world, inflammation everywhere. Um, I My struggle point came when I was on a college tour with my son, when it was supposed to be one of the happiest times, you know, taking my son around, trying to figure out if he wanted to go to uh, the sprawling campus of uh, UCF, the University of Central Florida. If you have not been there, it is very large. <laughs> So I'm 468 pounds. Uh, I'm good to walk. At this point, I'm good to walk 50 feet without need to break. And the campus was well over three miles, all the places. And there was no carts. There was no, it was on foot. So we were with uh, our best friends and their daughter, who our daughter, their daughter and our son have grown up together from, they're like six six months apart. So everything Mm -hmm. they've done through life, they've done together. So... We were on the tour and I was, you know, put my brave face on, was trying to make it. Uh, You know, we made it from where we had to park to probably not even, uh, there was no way we made it half a mile before I had to take my first break. Um, And I would venture to guess, we walked about five minutes and I took about a 15 minute break to catch my breath to be able to not feel like I was gonna pass out. Um, Probably two buildings in and about ten breaks later, I realized I was not going to be able to continue that trip because I legitimately thought I was about to either have a heart attack or pass out. And at that point, I was cool with either one because, yeah, I just I honestly, I didn't. Yeah, I was like, at least that way, someone will come carry me to where I need to be. It'll have to be a lot of them, but they'll have to come carry me. So I, I legitimately, we found an air-conditioned building, and I let the I let them go and I had to sit on the couch uh, seeing spots and not being able to catch my breath until they finally completed the tour and could come back around. But it took about an hour before I felt like I was good again to be able to get up and walk. Um, At that point in time, I felt horrible not only as a person but as a parent because that was supposed to be one of the happiest days of my son's life, and I could not complete a simple task for him that everyone else was able to do. So I felt extremely I felt extremely selfish for the fact that I had allowed this to happen because I continued to eat you know just ridiculous amounts of food I wasn't even trying at that point to stop anything I would argue that I needed all the food that I was eating so that I could be full because why would I go out to eat and pay for food if I wasn't going to be full when I'm done Um, so yeah, the giant toddler thing has carried all the way through because I, I was pitching fits like a five-year-old at that point, a very large five-year-old, but a five-year-old. Um, and it just got to a point where, you know, at that day, I realized that I was no longer going to continue to let this control my life in such a way because I, I took pride in being a father to a point that. I I was over the moon when I found out that we were pregnant with my son. You know, I had a daughter at that point. My daughter was amazing. I loved it. But just bringing another felt like I, being a dad was the best thing to me. So when it got to a point where I was unable to complete that task, my whole world came crashing down. So, you know, it was a point that I, profusely apologized to my son. And of course, you know, your kid's unconditional love. They don't care. You know, you know, it's okay, dad, as long as you're good, I'm good. But I, I wasn't taking that for an answer because there was just no way that he could be good with that, you know, given the fact of what happened. So it was at that point, it had been brought up to me once in the past by not by my primary care physician who I knew very well she sent me to a cardiologist for a for a, a referral and I walked in the door and he looked at my chart never said hi nothing my name is doctor whatever he didn't say or he looked at my chart read to me looked up at me and said have you ever considered bariatric surgery and I was like no but I'm done with you and I got up and walked out and I, well I'm playing like I'm not the biggest person in the hospital at that point like uh, like I, oh you to me why would you ever suggest such a thing to me like oh, how dare you like oh so you know, it was ridiculous at that point for me to even you know, go like, how? Why was I shocked? First off, but yeah, but I'm like, you don't even. Wait a either...
0: minute, whose voice was that? That was like Yoda, Cookie Monster. <laughs> yes, it was like it was several was... in one. All of the all above.
4: I'm a yeah. Yeah. <laughs> very all of the above guy. So yeah, it, but it got to a point where you know, it. I, I took it back to my actual primary care doctor, and I told her, I was like, you know, can you believe the cardiologist? You know actually recommended that i do bariatric surgery and she looked at me and she goes you're a good candidate for it and i was like oh am i like i was shocked but at the same time like she knew me she knew my chart she had been with me for years enough to know the ins and outs of everything so it came from her a little differently so that's when i just decided you know i, I knew at that point that if that was the case then i needed to move you know start making moves and move through it that way so
3: it's a brutal reality when you, when you like have to face it. Right. But at the same time, it's kind of like, there's so many moments of uh, like that commitment, I guess, right. That commitment stage along our journey, I have to commit before surgery and then I have to commit after surgery. It's like this constant cycle of commitment. But every time that we come up to that moment of commitment, we have an opportunity to set a different path or course for our life. And it takes a lot of bravery, it takes a lot of energy, it takes a lot of love to make that commitment for ourselves. Because at the end of the day, we realize, it's like that quote, and I I don't know who said it, but right, we have to do it alone, we can't do it alone. I can only do this work by myself. I can only make this decision by myself. But knowing that I need the support of a community, I need need the support of others. I need the education, the knowledge to get through it, it's very—it's a very humbling experience, right? I have to acknowledge that I need help. I have to do it alone, but yet I can't do it alone. And to know that we, we all of us, have created this community where these conversations can exist, these, these moments can exist, these experiences can exist.
1: Yeah.
3: It solidifies our humanity, right? And it says, we're not alone. There's nothing wrong with us. We want to live a different life and we're gonna do whatever it takes to find it. That's strength, that's grit, that's humility, that's all of those things wrapped up in the human experience. And to know that we can have that moment with people who empathize is just so powerful. It lets us know we can do it. We can do it.
0: Well, thank you, Berry Nation, for coming on here. I really just appreciate all three of y'all. I think I just love Natalie and her and what she's done for Berry Nation over the, the years. And I just I'm so glad y'all are here. Thank Thank
3: you. you Thank you. Your story is valuable. Your story is important. And I hope that you can get to the point where you can share your story with yourself, because that is where the magic lies. And we're all here to help each other. We're all here to help everybody live the life that they feel is the most authentic for them. And it doesn't matter what your weight is, what your size is, what your shape is. None of that matters. If you can look in the mirror and you recognize yourself, you're metabolizing well, Mission accomplished. And we start that journey by telling our stories to ourselves.
0: Thank you. I'm gonna bring Whitney and Nikki back up. They're gonna do the giveaway. Where's Nikki and Whitney?
3: There
0: they go. Thanks for listening. If you like the show, please rate, review, and subscribe on any platform that you get your podcast. And check us out at Patreon. That's patreon.com forward slash fairy diaries for more exclusive content, deep dives, and info on upcoming events. Don't forget, follow us on social media. See you there.